0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: For the glory of God. Now that's a big bite of the apple. Basically, what he's saying is we have to understand that this person is wrong, not our standards that they're wrong. We have to understand the word well enough to know that they're thinking. What they say, think, and do is wrong. We know that. We have to love them enough to come alongside them and with encouragement and love, change their thinking so that it'll change their attitude, that will change their behavior, so it'll fall in line with biblical principles all for the purpose of bringing glory and honor unto the Lord. That's the kind of person we need to be. Generally, I think we probably in this church knows that. The real question I have is, are we a church that has the courage and maybe the compassion to actually do that in a very loving way and to create that environment? It doesn't mean that we're going to fellowship groups and activities with our little clipboard and looking how everybody is living and then checking it off if they're doing something wrong and then coming alongside them and just blast them. But it does mean that we love them enough to accept them where they are but love them even more not to leave them there and through a sense of counseling to help them get to the next level. Now I understand that not everybody's ready to receive it. Sometimes they have to take it in small bites. Sometimes it's a long process. But at the same time, he is Paul is commending, complimenting these Christians at Rome by saying, "You have the ability to nuthetic counsel other people." And I pray that we would be able to do that as well. How important that is. I'd like to say a little bit more about that, nuthetic counseling from a broader perspective. And this is my whole message. But at the same time, if we're going to be a church that really wants to help one another, and all the people that I believe with all my heart are going to be visiting and coming into our church in this next year, we have to be ready to accept them, but at the same time, to help them to get to the next level and be willing to receive nuthetic counseling that's done to us. So let me give you some of my personal principles of nuthetic counseling. There are only three. You can jot these down if you'd like. First of all, I want you to know if we are going to come alongside others and counsel them. Some of you perhaps like the word disciple. When I think in terms of discipling, I'm more thinking about how to live the Christian life. I'm thinking more about a positive, teaching them what to do of how to get closer to the Lord. I get all of that. It's very similar, and it could be included in counseling. But sometimes counseling is dealing with someone who has already chosen to embrace wrong-thinking wrong feeling, and wrong behavior, and we want to come alongside them to admonish them to get them to where they ought to be. Now, here's the three so- here's the three sources. First of all, it needs for you and me to have a, this is very important, this is critical, that we would have an absolute surrender to the authority of God's word and its, watch this, sufficiency. I must believe that in order to help someone who is walking in the wrong direction based on wrong thinking, that the word of God is sufficient to be able to help them. Do you understand that, at least understand that concept. I'd like to give you the verses now to support that so you'll have them, all right? If you will, turn to Psalm 119. Hold your place here. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is a very interesting psalm in the Old Testament because it's um, a psalm that has all but four verses that are prayers that David is praying unto the Father, unto God, and he's recording it here in a song for us. And it's much deeper than what I'm giving you there, but I wanted you to see it's really all about his relationship to the Lord as it's founded upon God's word. Now, in that psalm, he uses such terms as statutes, commandments. Um, he would use um, ways, precepts. So there's a lot of different terms that he'll use, but it still finds itself in the source of God's mind and voice on paper the bible or scripture. And here's what he says in verse 24 and I love this. He praises up to the father and he says, "Your testimonies, another term for the word of God, your testimonies also are my delight." And I love that word delight. He delighted in the word and I really believe that's the beginning for you and me. If we really delight in the word, That's going to really take us a long way. That's what's going to motivate us. That's what's going to to get into the word. That's what's going to sustain us to stay in the word. That's the delight that he had. But here's what he goes on to say. He says, they, the testimonies, are my counselors, which this is important. That means if I'm going to counsel someone and I'm going to have that ability to be complimented to do that, then I need to be able to take God's word accurately to that other person And it's God's word who's counseling him. I may be using God's word. I may be the human agent in all of this, but the real help that that person is going to get is going to come from God's word. Now listen very carefully. That must mean I need to know God's word accurately. It may be very sufficient, but if I mishandle it, then I'm going to really be exacerbating the problem. In other words, you might have a headache and I'm giving you an aspirin when you really need to have surgery or something. So I need to make sure I know the word of God. Now watch this. I also need to fully understand what is that person's issues and deep needs. I hope this is not going by you. That's why he had to go back in early in Romans to talk about sin, the sin nature that's really driving us and how that everything is found in Christ for salvation, but our sufficiency is found in Christ because he is the sovereign Christ. So he's saying again, I need the word. So he says, I need to have the word of God. They are my counselors. So let me say it more generally your effectiveness to be able to deal with your kids, your effectiveness to be able to come alongside others and be a an effective neuthetic counselor is going to be limited by the amount of scripture you know accurately and the ability to be able to find it in scripture you may know it but now you don't know where it is you know how to find it. you know how to use it and so again i'm encouraging you get a bible get a good study bible get into a good bible study get some training it's not only for you to be counseled by the word but it's for you to be counseled by the word so you can then counsel others so again the word of god is the source of our counseling let's go take it up another notch there's another source in our counseling and it's found in isaiah chapter 9 would you turn there for a moment Isaiah chapter nine. This is really beautiful here, and I hope you get this. It's such a, a great encouragement to, to to me when I realize that when I counsel, I am not alone. I have content, which is God's word. All right, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter nine, and I want you to look at verse six. Those of you that were with us on Christmas Eve, I unpack one phrase of the four identifiers of Jesus Christ who would be born, and one of those would be known as the mighty God, the um, mighty mighty deity, but Before that, he's also known as not just counselor, but the wonderful counselor. So let's pause for just a moment. All right. If I'm going to be a sufficient and effective, competent counselor, then I need to know the word. In addition to that, I must yield myself to the Lord who is inside of me. And I could easily make a very small step to the Holy Spirit now because they're all one. So I'm relying upon the Lord who is the counselor. I'm relying upon his word who is the counsel who now lives within me. And if I embrace God's word, the word of God dwells in me richly now. I now have the sources of the word of God and I have the source of the Lord. And by the way, I can take it another step. I have the model of the Lord in the gospel. So now I can use the word of God and Christ's life even as help when I'm counseling someone. Now I'm saying all that to now say this. So now I have my friend over here and I want to counsel them. Well, I need to be able to know God's word. I need to be filled with the fullness of God, not just positionally, but I'm now really experiencing his presence. That's going to come, watch this, when I realize how dastardly sin can in corrupting my ability to counsel. If I'm dealing with sin in my life, then I really will not understand God's word. I have so much of a clouded mind because of trying to have a duplicit life of sin and living for God at the same time. I won't be able to remember easily the spirit of God will not bring those thoughts of God's word to me as easily because I'm so confounded with junk in my life. Christ will not rule and reign in my life because sin is now reigning in my life. I'll be a very weak counselor it would be like you going to a doctor and you want help and you want him to do surgery on you and he comes into the operating room and he's drunk as a skunk would you want him to operate on you and I'm not dealing with drinking necessarily but I'm talking about sin and you wouldn't want to have that and nor would would I want to have someone counsel me that had all this junk and now he's going to try to help me and so again I want to make sure I'm in the word My life is cleared from sin as as much as I can. I'll never be sinless, but I sure want to sin less. And I want to be filled with the fullness of God in my life because he is the counselor. I want to kind of get out of the way of the Lord. So I want to give this person the living Lord, and I want to give this person the written Lord, the word of God, as I'm counseling them. Now, there's a third source that's important in this, and I never want to leave this out because it's implied, and that is there's got to be human agents God will use. In other words, if there's a person out there that needs to be admonished, then a human person is going to have to bring the word of God to that person, whether it's a Gideon handing him a Bible and the Bible just takes over. It'll be the Lord doing this thing, I understand that, but there's a human agent involved. So let me get very pragmatic on this. I really believe there are three primary human agents. The first human agent that's going to come alongside someone that God will use to admonish someone is already found in Romans here. It's just another Christian... Who is embracing a love for the person who is walking in the wrong direction? A knowledge of Scripture, leaning upon the Lord to come alongside that person with courage and compassion to give them nuthetic counseling. It'll be you and me coming to do that. If you look up how many times it talks about admonish one another in Scripture, you're going to find that that's a responsibility all of us have. And let me crank that up a knowledge a notch, and that would be every parent has that responsibility to nuthetically counsel their kids those that are in your small group ministry, when you see those people come in, all of them have issues in their life and you love them enough, but you want to come alongside them corporately during the session, but privately when they have a need. And so you're going to do that. Every, everybody needs to do that. Now, let me step one step back. That's the responsibility of the church in some measure to equip you to do that. And that's why you want to have a Bible teaching preacher in front of you. You want to go to those kinds of classes so you're learning the word to help you to be able to do that. So Christian upon Christian. The second human agent will be those that are extra special trained in the church. These would be those who perhaps even feel the calling to that. You have some that are called more to music and and they'll do some, you know, add admonishing. I get that. Some are called to work with children, and some are called to maybe clean the parking lot or whatever. You're called to do that. I I get all of that, and you're going to bump into people, and we need to admonish them. But then there's going to be a group of people that really says, you know, maybe they have the gift of mercy or something. I really care about those who are hurting. So I want to get extra training. I want to be able to gain a little bit more from God's Word. I want to be able to know how do I ask the questions to find out why they're thinking to get past the smoke screen of what's happening in their thought patterns. So I need to have some special training. How do I open the conversation? What are the questions that I ask them? How do I dig deeper to find out what's the motivation? How do I find out when did they start feeling this way? What was a red light that came on the dashboard of their life that revealed this? And how long have they had this? What have they tried to do to fix it and it didn't work? All the things necessary that's a little bit beyond maybe some Christians that will come alongside and just give some word. And those might be people who just need light counseling. Some need heavier counseling. So that would be maybe train people in your church. Pastors should have that training. Maybe not so much that they will do all the counseling, but maybe they will do more of the pastoral counseling training. I left out one, so I want to bring it to this. Then there are going to be those that go beyond those that are going to be your volunteers in the church that are specifically designed and trained to help other church people. These are going to be people, men and women, that are adequately trained in God's word, that go far deeper into the issues because people do have significant issues out there that maybe will go beyond you in the pew that's gonna reach someone in the pew, a little bit more beyond in their needs than those that have been trained in some uh, lay counseling, we might use that term, but some that have really deep problems, the kind of problems that maybe are spiritual appearing, but really are driven by a physiological problem. You know what I mean by physiological? Chemicals are going crazy. There's a brain thing going on or something happened traumatically through stroke or whatever that has caused their ability to uh, rationalize and function and balance and think, etc. And so that kind of person may need special years of training to work with that person to get them to a point where maybe now the biblical counseling will come in and help them out. So there is some special training for that. Now, Stan, why why are you giving us all of this stuff on this one little point of counseling one another? Because folks, I believe we are living in the last days. I believe our problems and our lifestyles are are complicated out the kazoo. It's tremendous what's happening out there. All you have to do is go to River of Life. Help them out for a day. Be there at night and serve some meals to those people and you know how they're struggling and they need people to come alongside them. And if you'll notice, Paul commended them on their ability to come alongside and to counsel them. And I pray that we would do that. And Perhaps maybe that's why we would be known as a good church. In our moral goodness, we're going to come alongside people that are hurting who cannot give anything back. They're so broken. Maybe we're a church that has all knowledge and we're gaining more knowledge to be able to communicate the truths of God's word to them. And we're now going to admonish them because now we're taking the moral goodness and the word of God to the people that have so little to give back because we don't want them to struggle anymore. And frankly, who else is going to do it? And perhaps who else should do it than Christians? who really know God and know his word and really love him with all their heart and soul. And that's all part of it. Well, folks, that's what he complimented them on. And that was a real rich experience for them. So let me just come back and just ask you now, not so much who helped you with your car, who helped you with your health, who helped you with your wealth, but have you ever needed some counseling in your own life? Have you ever had someone come alongside you and maybe from an objective point of view, listen to you, really listen Listen to what you're saying. Listen to what you're not saying. Listen to the hurts, the habits, and the hang-ups that are in your heart. And then with the arms of a teddy bear, so to speak, the arms of Jesus, grabbed your heart and pulled your heart into their heart. And they very lovingly gave you some of the word. And like any surgery, yeah, it hurt. Anytime you do remodeling around the house, it messes things up from the routine. But after the surgery, you're better. After the car is repaired, and the confusion of having to leave your car with a mechanic and trying to find a ride on a bus and all that, you get it back and it's better. That when that person was finished with you, one, two, three, ten, twenty 10, 20 visits, whatever it might have been, when they came alongside of you, you came back and you said, wow. And then in your heart, you'd say, Lord, thank you for this person. Thank you that they set aside their busy schedule to care enough for me to love me. And they didn't smash my car to fix my car. They didn't smash my body to heal my body. They didn't break my heart to heal my heart. They cared enough for me. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but was it a parent? Was it a friend? Was it someone in here? And as much as that made you feel so good, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of that other person. Do you really know how hard it was for that person to do that with you? They could have been very afraid that you'd marginalize them, very afraid that whatever they share with you, you tell others. They could be very afraid that after they told you, you would forever think less of them as a broken-winged bird, perhaps. But for whatever it was, they... They came alongside you and with a degree of courage and really it was the compassion that drove the courage to do that. They did that for you. Maybe let them share that with you, how they felt when they had to say these things to you and they did and how grateful you are. Now let's spin it the other way. This place has got folks that are in need of help, need of admonishing. And there'll be new people coming in with the new wave that's coming here to this church and how we're going to welcome people in the freshness. I just want you to be so prepared with courage and compassion to help them. And you might say, um, do I have to be perfect and have everything in order for me to help others? Uh, No, you ought to be pointed in the right direction. You and I ought to be making progress, but we're not always going to be at the top of our game. I bet if you went to a doctor most of the time you went to them, you'd probably find that some of them maybe had a sore throat or weren't feeling really good that day, but they still did what they needed to do. Those accountants that were working on your books were having to go back to the manuals to find out what is the new tax law today to work on you and me. But whatever that might have been, they did it because they loved us. And I pray for you that we'll do it for one another because we love them. And remember, our whole ability to do this, our competency, is because of His competency in our life. So I pray that you'll realize that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And He is the Savior. He didn't need to save Himself. He needed to save us. And by simple faith alone in Him, our sins are forgiven. We now have Him living inside of us and we now have the ability, positionally, And potentially, maybe not practically, because we're still on the front end of this, wanting to grow. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. We heard that beautiful song sung, people need the Lord. And they do need the Lord. But sometimes in the process of them needing the Lord and then hearing the Lord from us, It's going to come from a long-term engagement of a relationship to be able to help them navigate through the isms and spasms of life. And to do that, it's going to have to have a person who's able to admonish or competent to counsel. And Paul complimented these Roman believers on their faith. So let me ask you, do you have faith? He didn't say how much faith they had, just that they had faith. And I believe he was complimenting them not just on their faith, but their object of faith, that they had faith in the Lord. I pray that you place your faith in the Lord. And then he complimented on their moral goodness. Oftentimes, people will listen to you when they have respect for you. and When they have respect for you, they see your goodness. And the best way to show your goodness is when you have opportunities to not be so good and you're still good. And then knowledge. And that knowledge is only acquired by discipline. The discipline of study, memorization, meditation, abiding in the word, applying it to your life, and then to come alongside others. Is it possible that even through this message, at least one time, a name came into your mind of someone that you'd like to build a relationship with for the purpose of competently counseling them? Is it a neighbor, a friend? Could it be someone in your family? Is it someone you need to go back to? Is there someone you need to not give up on? Maybe someone to return to? Maybe there's someone that's due. Oh, my friend, I want you to know that you are very special to the Lord. You're in this church for such a time as this. And to counsel people, it's work, but it's rewarding. Some, the light will go on. Some will get the memo. Some, they won't. But at least you can say, I've reached out and tried. They're not ready. I'll go to the next person until they are. Those of you who are our guests today, I pray that you will place your faith in Jesus Christ and all you need to say is, Lord, I know I've done things wrong. I know I can't get to heaven. I know that I am a sinner. I know you are the Lord and that you died and you rose again and I'm placing my faith in you. Maybe right now the Lord is turning the light on in your soul and your spirit. Right now it's coming to you that, hey, this is what I need to do. Then do it right now. now, It's coming to you. The Spirit of God is lit up inside of you. Place your faith in Christ now. If you're doing that, I'd like to pray for you. And so perhaps afterwards you can come see me. If you're a lady and feel more comfortable, my sweet wife, you probably saw me sitting next to her. She'd be glad to chat with you. You Come on up. Put it on your card if you want, if you've got questions. and I'll one-on-one with you privately without you being embarrassed. The rest of you, what are you going to do with what you heard today? What are you going to do with what you heard today and who are you going to do it with? What are you going to do and who are you going to do it with and when are you going to do it? And if you're still struggling with the how do I do it, I'd be glad to help you too. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you that our efficiency is because of your sufficiency. And that, Father, whatever competence we have is because of you. And so we praise you, Father. We don't deserve any of this. We thank you for the word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that could divide our motives and our thoughts even, the subconscious mind that just makes us do things before we can consciously think about it. We thank you for that, that the word of God could penetrate all that so deep within us that we can now have the mind of Christ. I thank you, Father, that you, Jesus Christ, is now present in our life as the wonderful counselor, that whatever you give us, it's wonderful. It's to bring glory to you, and ultimately, Father, it's for our betterment whether here or for sure, in eternity to come for a believer. And so, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that you are the counselor. Thank you that you're the counselor and that we just rely on your word and we kind of release you to those people we're working with. Help us now to model you while we mentor you to them. Help us to be open to others to come alongside us and to speak into our lives and admonish us when we need it. For, oh, Father, that that just puts us in the right direction again. We can think right feel better and have that moral goodness that we desperately want thank you father for this thank you for a church that wants to really reach out to others no matter who they are father we love you in jesus name